1: Terms and conditions apply. Welcome in to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by
2: SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Joe Cardosi, joined by my man, Mr. Jim Eichenhofer. Uh, Coming at you a little later than we usually do. Sorry about that. Jim and I were on an adventure. Uh, You know, it was a nice day. We were on a hot air balloon. Podcast can come later. Uh, We're still celebrating that win. Jim, that was a uh, not a pretty one, but a win.
0: Yes, it counted in the standings. And by the way, it was a very lovely afternoon with you on the hot air balloon. I
2: appreciate it.
0: I would say it was romantic, but I don't want to get your wife angry at me. Yeah, yeah. But it was.
2: She's jealous.
0: (laughs) But it was a nice day. No, in terms of uh, Saturday's game, I mean, through the first half, it was looking like it was going to kind of go to form. You were playing against a team that has one of the worst records in the league. does have the worst record in the league now, as we record this on Monday. But, man, to Houston's credit, the third quarter, they put it everything together. They started getting hot from three-point range. got ba- Not only got back in the game, but took the lead. And so it came down to the fourth quarter of you having to play a really strong last 12 minutes. And thankfully for everyone out there, that's... A Pelicans fan, uh, Jose Al- Alvarado is on the roster. Yes, and he, Jose,
2: Al- Jose Alvarado exists and, and he, plays for the New Orleans
0: Pelicans. Yes, and he just really took over the game. And as we've discussed a bunch of times already in just a year and change since he's been on the squad, unbelievable the way he did it, where it's not about making a bunch of three-pointers, not about dunking on people. It's about just being a, a, a maniac on defense and just aggravating the other team ball handlers coming up with steals. Um, he did make a three that was pretty big, I think, from the wing in that fourth quarter yeah. and had a couple baskets. But but just overall, I mean, he took over the game and basically took over the entire Smoothie King Center as everybody was, like, ready to storm the court. So,
2: I mean, look, Jose Alvarado is... Talk about making your limitations a strength. You know, the dude is six foot in shoes and is just, like, lighting the place up just based on fearlessness alone. Like if if you could transplant Jose Alvarado's fearlessness into certain NBA players' bodies, they would have entirely different careers. Sure. Uh, he is just an example of, man, just trying hard, just mm-hmm. aggravating people at the end of a game by still trying hard. Yeah, and the last uh, 15
0: seconds or so of the game, we saw he and Kevin Porter Jr. both get ejected. Uh- and- <laughs> oh, oh, Kevin Porter Jr. And Kevin Porter Jr. was ready to meet oh. Jose outside, it looked like. And yeah. Uh, he kind of lost it for a second there. Easy to say when you're a foot taller than <laughs> whoever you're yelling at. And uh, but you know what? It was it was kind of the kind of thing where, and I think I tweeted this as as it happened or right afterward that Jose is going to play until the end of the game, yeah, until the will. buzzer. He even mentioned in his post game interview that he was like, "I wasn't really, I didn't even think about how much time was left in the game. I was going to just keep playing, see and, ball, get ball, and that's all Jose's thing." Exactly. And Porter um, did not take kindly to that. Um, it Which was, I got
2: to, by the way. Like, I understand why Kevin Porter's like, dude, come on. Like, we're conceding. Right. right. But, you know, still. But that's what Jose does, and I I
0: don't uh, – it's funny. There was a game against the Rockets last year where Kevin Porter was kind of casually dribbling the ball up the court, looking around into the stands, and Jose came screaming in from behind and stole the <laughs> ball. So – it feels like by now that he would, he and the Rockets would understand that this is what you... That's their thing. This is what he does, and this is what you bargain for when you play a game against the Pelicans. But uh, I guess he's going to still be upset when Jose does what Jose does.
2: Well, that's what Jose does. Look, he's again, he's got that dog in him. I also have that dog in me. Of course you do. But it has Parvo. <laughs> um, we've got a, a great guest today. We've got Jen Hale from Fox Sports, from undisputed and uh of course you can see her on the bally's broadcast right here locally uh so look it's a busy day for her it's a busy day for her every day let's hurry up and get to her gin Hale.
1: this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge Joining
2: us on the Pelicans podcast, she is everywhere all at once somehow. Jen Hale joins us. Uh, Jen, how are you doing? How You're very busy these days, it seems.
3: Hi, guys. I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's a crazy time for everybody, right? Football, basketball, crossing, uh, getting into the meat of the season. It's it's fun times, so though. It's good time.
0: Yeah, Jen, we appreciate you coming on with us. I know you have like 15 different things on your schedule each day, as we've discussed <laughs> yeah. in the past, but um, I-, I wanted to ask you—you you know, this group of players that we've had here for a couple years, basically the same group of guys. It's we had a stretch there with the Pelicans where it seemed like the roster turned over greatly, you know, pretty much every summer, and you- you're getting to know the new guys that are coming in. But um, in the role that you have, as far as being the sideline reporter on TV. I mean, what's it been like to to work with this group of players and, and coaches as far as just uh, – it just seems like it's been a lot of fun and it's been a gr- good group of guys.
3: Yeah, it's been fantastic, Jim, absolutely. Uh, it is such a good group when it comes to who they are as people, their character, their integrity, um, and, and that, that makes such a big difference. And, and I promise I'm not just saying this because I'm a homer. I, I've covered a <laughs> lot of football and basketball locker rooms. Uh, in the 12 years, honestly, this is hands down the best one I've ever covered. And um, it, it does. It, it, makes it, it, it makes it such a joy to go to work every day. And not only do they embrace and respect each other, they're truly friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I was th- actually thinking about it uh, on the bus on this, this past road trip how uh, post game, usually the bus is quiet, especially if you lose, uh, dead silence. Mm-hmm. That bus, listening to them, they're they, they're chattering the whole time. They're best friends. They're they know they know each other's families. They know each other's off the court activities. They care. They know their video game scores. You know, <laughs> you, I, I just it, it struck me that man, I'm sitting here listening to a bunch of besties. Honestly, mixing it up after after a game, not not just a team that when the buzzer when, when clock when the clock expired, time ran out. You know, they, they went back to their individual things. They usually pop on their headphones and, and start listening to music or maybe get on the phone with a family member. Now, this group, you know, they're, they're, they're always all together. They're always discussing life and things beyond basketball. And, and that really shows, that translates to the court. And, and the team, the management embraces it too. For instance, they have all sorts of, of, of dinners. We had two on this fast road trip where it's, it's, it's not just the players, or the players and the coaches, it's everybody on the road trip that's invited. Um, Griff had one in Phoenix. Uh, it was a Thursday night that we flew, so it was kind of like a Thursday night football watch party, uh, and then basketball on the TVs as well. And then in L.A., postgame, they had a big Italian restaurant ready to go for everybody. Um, so, so this the team itself lends itself to that, but it's also a direct – um, conscious effort by the management and the coaching staff to have this family atmosphere, to make it all inclusive, to make sure everybody is truly friends off the court as well.
2: And and Jen, I think that's a, an important part of this team's chemistry. It's an important part of their makeup is that they are friends uh, off the court. A lot of them have similar interests. Do you think that's important for them weathering some of these ups and downs? Because I think at the beginning of the season, it was, you know, it was all cake. We hadn't even trailed in a couple of games when we first started off, and uh, we we felt unbeatable. And now, you know, we've sort of weathered some, some blows there. Do you think that camaraderie is going to help going forward when they do have to weather some of the tough times?
3: Absolutely. It's a long season, 82 games. Um, yes, football is several months long, but it's one game a week. There's so much more break time. Uh, in the NBA, you go together constantly. You see your your coworkers, your teammates, the folks on the team, um, the folks in the front office, the behind-the-scenes folks, you see them way more than you see your family. Uh, and, and that can get wearing. That can get, um, at times, depressing when you're on the road for long stretches. You don't like the people you're around. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no break. There's no let up. Uh, the fact that not only do they like each other, they love each other and the fact that it is such a close-knit group with with friendships and understanding about where people are coming from, right? Perspective. It's so important in any situation. But to try and and be successful during an 82-game season where you're going to have nights people aren't their best Uh, and to not get annoyed with each other, to not let that fester and become a locker room issue, that's huge. In fact, sometimes it's almost difficult doing interviews with these guys when they have great nights because they are so hesitant to ever talk about their own successes. It is all team, 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 team. <laughs> I am very hard-pressed to ever get, at least on television, uh, you know, a really good in-depth answer about, man, what was clicking for you tonight? What was different mm-hmm. about you tonight? They're always going to credit their teammates.
2: Also usually because C.J. McCollum's dancing during the interview,
3: <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: That's exactly what I that's actually what I thought you were going to say when you started by saying, you know, sometimes it's difficult to get these interviews post game. I thought you were going to say because you know, you got CJ dancing, you got three people over yeah, here, Trey that, doing a high five. Yeah, you got somebody dumping water on somebody else, you got three people walking in the background to try to smile in in, in front of the camera, but um, you I guess I part I love
3: that though. Yeah. It's so much fun, right? And I think the fans love it and and truly it's it is not a job it is a passion for these guys they love doing it they love being on the court together and for me it's fun to get to be a part of that's what i call work how crazy is that
2: <laughs> you handle it in stride i got to say <laughs> yeah jen i think um
0: part part of uh part of what you said i think is so true about um you know that you're around people all the time i think people could kind of relate to that the average person who has like quote unquote a normal job um, just people that you're around every single day. You know how there's certain things that people do that get under your skin. I guess you could say this the same thing about people in your family or maybe your spouse. Okay, or, I get it, Jim. <laughs> Jeez. Things staring right things, at me. While that says all this. Things that Joe does all the time Sorry. on my list of, of
2: uh where's the odorant tomorrow?
0: <laughs> but I, I think it's something that Griff mentioned. I remember from basically from day one, um, listening to him a few years ago, he said, you know, we're gonna prioritize character and we're going to prioritize bringing in good people. And I think, you know, it's one thing to say that, but I I respect the fact that they've followed through on that so much. And I think, I mean, you could probably comment on this as well, Jen, is that it's something that I think comes through a lot in some, even some of the interviews that, like you said, a lot of the players are a lot more looking forward to or apt to talk about their teammates than themselves, which I think is also an admirable trait that, you don't have players that after the game they're getting on the microphone and saying, okay, like, let's talk about me for the next few minutes. But I, I think that that's something that um, also makes the team more popular. It makes, you know, when you're trying to have people come by buy tickets and support the team and, and have a bunch of, it just helps so much to have a bunch of group, have a group of guys that people want to root for and want to see succeed. A thousand
3: percent. And you can feel the difference inside the Smoothie King Center. These fans, they admire who the guys are on and off the court, how, how they conduct themselves. And that, that's a tremendous difference. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll attempt to be classy and not name names, but we have some big, some big stars in the NBA who are clearly playing for individual records and stat lines right now. It isn't at all about their team, and it's blatantly obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that when you have that going on, and then you have this dynamic unfolding in New Orleans. It's such a contrast. And and people are proud of this team. Not not just because of the win-loss record, but but because they truly think they're good people. They're they're folks they that they want their kids to look up to and be like, truly. Not just again, not just about putting a ball in a basket, but how they conduct their lives. And and that's huge. That's New Orleans is a city where that type of thing is so important, family so important. Um, they embrace their sports teams so hard. I, I think that is greatly contributing to the bond that you see growing between the city and, and the Pelicans. And uh, to Jim, your point about character and, and prioritizing that, yeah, I've never heard a coach say, no, we're not going to prioritize it. But it is different to see it actually play out because so often somebody has enough talent that you overlook things. You say it's what you're going to do. But do you really know this team really does? Absolutely. The way Griff and the front office, Trajan Langdon, Swim Cash, the way they've um, built this roster, it, it shows their commitment to that. It's not just lip service.
2: Oh, Jen, you kind of beat me to the, to the punch. I was going to ask you, you know, how much of that do you think is because of the makeup of the roster? You know, Brandon Ingram came here on a trade. Uh, we're made up of not a lot of stars, you know, even Zion is still kind of seeing the court and, and, and making his bones right now, even as, as a bona fide superstar as he is already. Um, and how much of that is the culture that you think was instilled by Griffin, by Willie Green? Uh, I mean, also, both things can be true. I mean, does it seem like a perfect storm of these guys really want to win together? These are underdogs who are sort of making it together?
3: Absolutely. It's a big mixture, Joe. It it, it, it truly is. And, and I like your term, underdog. So many of these guys have big chips on their shoulder or at least a chip, you know, I don't, I don't think CJ at all felt disrespected in Portland or anything. He loved it, but he was the clear number two, right? It was Dane's right. team. So he loved the idea of, okay, now it's my turn to lead this team. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that really seriously. That, that means something to me. It's an honor to me. It's not just something that, oh, okay, I guess I have to do this type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the trade went down with the Lakers when you remember the months leading up to it and all the rumors around what was happening. Sure. B I felt disrespected, disrespected and unwanted and boy, is in LA sorry now. Um, <laughs> yes. and, and Zion clearly, he, he wasn't an underdog coming out, but when you look at all the injuries he's had, uh, and he's been open about how mentally tough that was. And I think people can relate to that to some extent. It might, might not have been an injury that kept you out of work, but, okay, this is a guy who's saying, I wasn't okay. I was having a really bad time. It wasn't my life's perfect, and, hey, I get this big paycheck, so money fixes everything. Um, so from that sense, I think Z has a chip. And he certainly heard heard the chatter about his weight. Can he ever live up to all the hype, da 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 and And he's channeling that and using that in all the right ways.
0: Jen, obviously, um, there's... A lot of different coaches have different personalities. They have different approaches. Um, I, I was wondering what what's it been like in in terms of with with you um, working with Willie Green the last couple of years. Um, obviously, you interview him before every game. A lot of times after games. I mean, constantly over the course of the season. I mean, what what would you, how would you describe just kind of the way he is as a person?
3: What you see is what you get. He is so constant, so steady and he conducts himself with the highest of standards, and he has the highest character, it's, it's a joy to work with him. Um, as, as a female, there have been times when I've been on the road where I haven't enjoyed it because of the culture or because of things that are allowed to go on. And, and man, Willie, Willie's just the best. He, he runs a tight ship, but that's combined with, yes, he sets standards and parameters, and it starts with him, but he's assembled a cast of folks that you honestly don't have to establish standards or, 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 or boundaries so much, because it's just who people are in this organization. You know, they don't, they don't need something to be spelled out to do the right thing, to behave correctly. And and for me personally, that makes such a difference when you're on the road for 41 games, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're gone more than we're home. Um, And I think his players respect him so much because of all that he has done and and the standards he holds himself to, that trickles down, absolutely. Um, One of the things I love is is the way he is open about his faith, the way he is open about how we're going to treat each other. I have witnessed, um, you know, things that are, quote, unquote, off the record at the end of a practice or something. And look, it's not that he's a pushover. If something's up, he addresses it. But he does it with a kind firmness and lets you know, again, here's the boundary. This is where we're not going to cross. You're not going to treat each other like this. You're not going to treat somebody else like that. Not on my watch. And and it's so hard for NBA coaches to do that these days uh, because the players are so powerful. And and Willie has struck the balance, man. Yeah, he's he's their friend. People love to play for him, but they also respect him and listen to him. And that is a very difficult feat to accomplish in today's NBA.
2: It's especially an interesting feat to accomplish as a young coach, as a as a new head coach. Uh, you know, a lot of coaches, it seems like people don't think of them as head coaches for a few years, or at least until they win something. Uh, Willie, I don't know if it, it's between his demeanor, which which you talked about, or you know, it's the fact that we we still have such a young roster uh, that they can look up to him as sort of a an, just an older peer. But it, it seems like. It seems like they want to win for him in a way that I haven't seen in New Orleans in a, in a very long time, if ever.
3: They would run through a wall for him, Joe, to, to borrow the old cliche. They, they, they respect him so much, and, and they see the time he puts in, the time on task. And he, he understands so much because he did play. And look, he wasn't he, he wasn't a LeBron status player type of a thing. He, he, he was in the trenches type of a deal. And and they respect all that he's gone through to get to this point, point. and he just again he finds that fantastic balance between commanding respect but also relating to the players and he's their friend but he there's also no doubt that he's in charge and it's it's impressive to see because it is difficult especially to your point as as a young coach you know when you reach pop status you know what you're signing on for type of a thing um, Willie doesn't doesn't have that yet but man he's real close for, for somebody, his age, just
0: what a season and a half in. Yeah. Lastly, for me, Jen, um, you mentioned, you know, kind of the people that Willie green has surrounded himself with and the kind of people that we have here. This is something that I I don't think I've ever asked you about that. I was just curious about that. I had been thinking of you do a halftime interview on TV with an assistant coach and you've been doing that for, I think probably the entire time that you've been in this role, right? Going back to, yeah. maybe about 10 years ago. I was curious, um, is it the kind of thing where um, most of the guys are, are are comfortable going on TV? Do you have like different levels of guys that like look forward to doing it or guys that maybe haven't been? I, I feel like it would be difficult sometimes for somebody who hasn't been on camera, like at halftime in that situation. I mean, what what is that uh, specific uh, experience been like?
3: It, it's a fun dynamic, Jim. So it's either um, – it, it's usually Casey Hill or JC or Fred Vinson. Those those are the three go-tos. And then every once in a while, it, it's the, co- the assistant coach who has a scouting report for that game, who scouted yeah. the opponent. So um, every once in a while, you'll get a teaspoon or somebody else. But it's generally those three. And, yeah, that's where that's where relationships really come in. And I, I've been working with Freddie V for, for forever, um, yeah. 10 years now. So So that's obviously – that one's so easy because we do have that established trust and that established friendship and relationship. Uh, but JC and, and Casey are wonderful. Uh, I could see either one of them easily becoming head coaches. They're so well-spoken. Um, they see the game so well. They're good communicators, which not everybody who sees the game well is a good communicator. And that interview, it's a little a little dicey. The, the art to that interview is you're, you're in game, right? You're halftime, obviously. So, so you want to ask compelling questions about either what was going on in the first half or, hey, what are we going to expect to see in the second half? But no coach, and certainly the team, doesn't want anything big revealed that could be used against them because the game's not over yet. Right. So that's, that's the challenging part of that particular interview is how do we drill down and get some really interesting information for our viewers that, that, that can explain what's happening in the game or give them something to look to watch for this half But don't give away too much that if if an opponent's um, scout team or video person or or whomever is is listening in on the interview, that they could then tell them, and and that could affect the way the opponent approaches the game. So I think those three guys do a really good job. And, you know, one thing I've always done, I I love to chat with coaches ahead of time uh, when I first meet them about when you're in game in that situation, what type of questions do you like to answer? What are the no goes? Because there's really no point in wasting anybody's time if they're going to give me an answer of, well, we just need to play harder, right? Yeah. No, yep. n- nobody nobody wants that answer. They don't want to be put on the spot like that. I don't want to ask a question. That's the best I get for, for our viewers. So um, yeah, I've had great conversations with all three of those guys on, hey, take me inside. What? Where are the boundaries? Where, what is it we, we can discuss that you don't feel would be giving away a competitive advantage? And and I've learned so much from them. It's awesome. We we've had some really great just X's and O's basketball talk, and and I enjoyed learning.
2: Look, anything, anytime you can get something more than yeah, just got to keep pushing and uh, just do what we do. You've you've done uh, excellent work. Uh, you can always catch Jen on Undisputed, of course. You can always catch her on the sidelines for Fox, and of course, if you're watching the Pelicans games, you know her from Valley Sports. Everywhere at once, as always. Jen Hale, thank you so much.
3: Hey, love coming on. You guys do an awesome job. Thanks for having me.
2: Appreciate it. Thanks, Jen.
1: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks to Jen
2: Hale for making time for these old dogs uh, while she's busy doing stuff. Jim and I are so glad to be able to have a bunch of home games uh, to look forward to. It's, it's been kind of a bummer being on the road and having to watch on TV, listen on the radio, et cetera, uh, for a lot of these games. But, you know, finally we got this this little home stretch. We started off kind of a, on, a, on a bummer note, and uh, now you've got a, a scrappy win. Bad team or not, it's a win. Uh, and, and you've got some more games coming up at home, man. I mean, it's a tough schedule, but, but some good games. Yeah, and, and to your point about our excitement about being
0: home and having this stretch – I think the people that have been at the games and even people that have been watching on TV, if you're watching on League Pass or in another state, you can see the 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 level of volume in the arena has gone up. I think the home court advantage that they're establishing, it's hard to measure, but I think it's building. Um, some of these games have been the Portland game on Thursday, which obviously didn't have a great result. But I, I was sitting there in the first half and I was saying, like, this is a very loud arena compared to what I'm used to for the first half of a game on a Thursday against Portland Trailblazers. So that's all good. I think things are going you know in a really good direction. The atmosphere is getting better and better, which is great. Um, But this week, I mean, you have three games that I think are pretty interesting. You have Memphis on Tuesday. They're coming off a loss against Washington Wizards where the Grizzlies sat a couple of their main guys, John Morant and Desmond Bain. Didn't play in that game. I'm but why? I'm guessing that they will be ready for um, game time on Tuesday. Um, Chicago Bulls are a couple games under 500 going into this week, but Pelicans, that mean nothing. Pelicans That's what we've discovered. Sure, Pelicans played them last week. It'll be a, it'll be seven days um, previous by the time that they play them Wednesday in the United Center, and that game went down to the last uh, minute or so. Chicago's been a little bit up and down, but I mean if. The game up there is any indication. I think Wednesday will be really fun. It'll be an interesting game. And then Friday you have the Boston Celtics who are coming in here as one of the best teams in the league. Obviously made the NBA Finals last year, yeah. and they're off to a 10-3 and three start. Um, when they had the coaching drama issue where they had to remove their coach and bring in a new guy who had been an assistant coach with them, a lot of people, I think, in the off season, were like, man, this is going to be a crushing blow to them that they are going to have to have a brand-new head coach after the success that they had last season. But, man, they haven't missed missed a step, and yeah, they familiar, look just as good. helps, it, right. like. it They look just as good as they did last season, maybe even – I mean, they've gotten off to a much better start than they did last year. I remember a lot of people will recall that they were basically around 540 games into the season and just took off, especially with their defense. But I mean, they're already at playing at an elite level right now, so it'll be uh, it's this will be an interesting week. I mean, you have two teams that are among the best in the NBA in Memphis, in Boston, and then between, as I said, you got Chicago on Wednesday. That's kind of playing around 500, just as the Pelicans are right now. Well, hey, at
2: least after Boston, we probably get a cupcake game, huh?
0: Oh yeah, you the Golden State Warriors, no! Steph Curry, and you know, you know the one thing about that game that that now that you mention it. Um, they're on a back to back again. They Good. play Sunday night in Houston, um, and then Monday in New Orleans before that game. So, I mean, for the fans' sake, people that have bought tickets, I hope that they don't sit their main guys again. But I mean, honestly, it, it is a possibility. I that, do. That. <laughs> well, you didn't. You didn't <laughs> yeah, pay for your tickets. I know. So. Yeah.
2: I'm, I got to be here no matter what. <laughs> I want that W.
0: Yeah. So, so that'll be interesting to 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 monitor. But yeah, you're right. There aren't really any uh, any big breaks on this home no. stand at, after. Uh, after the first couple games.
2: No. So, you know, Pelicans rest up, stack those dubs while you can. Uh, but look, if if you're out there, get to some games. You know, get out here. That the the bowl was rocking. The loudest I've heard it is maybe when Eric Gordon was just doing anything on the court. <laughs> or just on the bench. If he scratched his head, boo <laughs> he was at the free throw line. Boo! Oh, he was asking for a towel. Boo! <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. I felt like, it, it, you know, for a while I was like, it's rattling him. Then he started kind of playing well. You it, know. it
0: was funny. He was, I remember during warm-ups. I, I would think, I mean, I, obviously I, I don't want to get too deep into what he's thinking or, or what his perspective is but or in guessing on that, but I would think that in his mind he probably feels like eventually they're going to stop booing me. It's been several years since yeah. he was on the team and then during, And also like,
2: okay, it's the second quarter now. They got it <laughs> out of their system.
0: Right. But uh during pregame starting lineup intros, there was a huge boo of him. And I looked down there and he he was kind of laughing about it. Cause I I think it looked you like got it at
2: this point. A,
0: a lot of his teammates were were kind of looking at him like, dude, what did you do? Everyone here is booing you so loudly. But I mean, he he took it in stride. But uh I yeah, I, I don't think that's Based on Saturday, it doesn't seem like any time if he plays another 10 years in the NBA, I I feel like we're still going to be hearing, he's still going to be hearing that in uh, in
2: 2032. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter if he's still playing. He could be an analyst on (laughs) TNT or something. If they're on the court, (laughs) he's not going to be able to do anything on the court. Uh, So that was fun to hear. Get loud. Keep that energy going for all these home games. They need that wind in their sails. So get in there uh, while you can. Jim Eichenhofer, as always, a blast. Jen Hale, as always, so fun to have on the show. You, as always, thanks for joining us on the Pelicans Podcast, presented, as always, by SeatGeek. We will talk to you in a couple days. Until then, go Pels. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans Podcast, presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast
1: presented by SeatGeek.